This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like Joe's podcast friends like to call me, the Fintern. Happy Friday, stackers. Another week down, another week closer to reaching your financial goals. It feels good, doesn't it? Paying off debt and increasing your savings diligently week after week after week. But what if there were a quicker way to reach your financial goals? To take a slide down to the finish line? I take pride in saying that I have quite an interesting show picked out for you today, and I'll remind you that I work in the basement. Today's Rewind episode features Jessica Morehouse from the Mo Money podcast and our regular Len Penzo answering the question, should you marry for money? You may be thinking, whoa, that's crazy, but stick with us. Plus, remember the video from a few years ago of the professor doing a news chat when his baby comes running into the room? Yeah, that was covered in this episode, and the gang shared their own workplace gaffes as well. I'd share my own we could laugh at, but look at the time. That does it for this week, folks. Tune back in Monday for a brand new eight weeks of shows. We'll kick things off on Veterans Day with Ellie Kay, the founder and CEO of Heroes at Home. We'll talk gaining financial literacy with Ellie, which is a big issue for the country, military or not. Thanks for enjoying another great week of rewinds with me. And remember, this episode originally released in 2017, so disregard any investment advice or giveaways. Fintern out. Hey, this is Joe Crane, host of Veteran on the Move podcast. And when I'm not helping veterans transition to entrepreneurship, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money nerds, and step right up. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'll be your safari guide today. Please keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Our first exhibit, he hails from the jungles of the deepest, darkest Los Angeles, a particularly menacing spot called LenPenzo.com by the locals, David Livingston. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Livingston wouldn't be caught dead in L.A. It's Len Penzo. And special guest on this expedition, some people call her the best part of this podcast, but we'll call her the woman from the Mo Money podcast. Welcome, Jessica Morehouse. And now, the only guy crazy enough to run this safari week after week, Joe Saul Sihai. <laughs> and the craziness continues. Crazy like it's uh, March 14th, 1939. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Saul Sihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a Friday it is. Uh, let's put it this way. I've had a phenomenal week. By phenomenal, I don't mean phenomenally good. I mean, uh, my car broke down halfway home from, not even halfway, about a quarter of the way home from Tulsa, 
where Cheryl and I went to see the NCAA tournament, watch our team, Michigan State, destroy Miami in the first round and then get destroyed by Kansas in the second round. But it was it was fine. It was a fantastic place. And I got to tell you, speaking of fantastic place, if you haven't been to Tulsa, Oklahoma, what a nice town. What a great place. You know what else is great? It's when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because magnify money is the number one place to go on the internet where you look up all of your financial products, whether it's a new checking account, a savings account, an auto loan, whatever type of debt product like personal loans and credit cards, magnify money has them all. Why answer some piece of mail that comes that says, hey, we have this offer when magnify money will compare everything. We comparison shop just about everything in our life, don't we? Comparison shop the things that matter in your financial life. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money is the place for that. And the place that rates magnify money number one, that's SoFi. And if you go to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, you know what you're going to find? They're the leader in marketplace lending, helping you with student loans, personal loans, and mortgages. Here's how it works. You point your browser to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, and it'll ask you which type of help you're looking for. From that point, you fill in a few details about you, and like our friend Dan Macklin over at SoFi says, in a few seconds in most cases, you'll know everything about how they can work with you. Variable rates, fixed rates, lots of different terms. They make it real easy to get the ball rolling. In fact, it's so easy magnifymoney.com lists their fine print rating is A+, meaning it's super easy to understand. You're looking for lower rates and a good partner. They're looking for a new member to help for your mortgage, student loans, or personal loans. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. Guess what? They're going to throw in 100 bucks if you use our link for your student loan refinance or your next personal loan. So uh, make sure you use our link. It's always good knowing people, isn't it? Just tell them Joe sent you. That's, that's the way you do it is by using our link. Oh, we got great, great stuff today. Jessica Morehouse about to uh, appear on My Dad Shortwave, one of my favorite people on the internet, great financial blogger, has a phenomenal podcast called The Mo Money Podcast. And at the halfway point with our FreshBooks FinTech segment, FreshBooks has been bringing you some awesome FinTech lately, haven't they? We're going to get a little quirky. We're going to talk about parking. Whenever I go to Austin uh, to visit my son, or I go to, last summer I was in Chicago, I go to any city, it drives me crazy. There's there's good things about having the basement in the middle of nowhere where I don't have to worry about parking. But when you do, Park Mobile is this cool app that we're going to talk about. We're talking with John Ziegler about that at the halfway point. So we got an action-packed show, so let's roll. Let's walk across the basement here and fire up My Dad Shortwave, see if we can get some of the greatest minds in personal finance on the line. And let's start off in Los Angeles, California, where our good friend, Mr. Len Penzo, is hiding out uh, burning dollar bills, as it were. I am. I just finished, and uh, we even we even found some nickels to throw in, and it kind of messed up the fireplace, but that's okay, Joe. It will make do. You know, we played that piece a couple weeks ago, Len, and it, it was good to hear that uh, you have so much fun doing that. Hey, you know what? It's actually, well, I was going to say it's cheap entertainment. It, that's actually not cheap entertainment, Joe. <laughs> well, if you, if, you think the, if you think the currency's going away, you know, I mean, it's... Well, yeah, at, at the moment, it's not cheap, but it'll pay off in the end. <laughs> It, it isn't bad. I'm wondering what the heck we're talking about. Joining us again from the Mo Money Podcast, it's Jessica Morehouse. Oh, hey. You're, you're back. I'm back. Thanks for having me back. We are so happy you came back. We were afraid you wouldn't come back after, you know, last time. Yeah, last time was the worst, but yeah, right. I twisted my arm, so. Yeah, that's right. This is going to be way better, Jessica. I seriously doubt it, but... <laughs> And Jessica, to give you and everybody that didn't hear the show a couple of weeks ago, we just wondered on like a random Monday, we wondered what the heck Len Penzo does when we're not around. And so OG and I said, you know, when Len's not on the show, what does he do? And we thought, let's check in on him. So this was what happened. Hey, honeybee, grab some more of the, those ones over there. With, with the currency going, there's no way this money's going to be worth anything tomorrow, but at least it'll keep this fire going for five or six hours. Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll melt some of those nickels, too. Boy, this is fun. And aren't you sad you missed that, Jessica? 
I really thought I missed that. That was amazing. Yeah, that's, I'm still trying to figure out how you. Where's the microphone, Joe? That's that's in your microwave. <laughs> Didn't you hear that? <laughs> Watching the news. We are we are in your microwave. We're all over the place. Yeah, we tapped okay. your phones. It's all. I there. would tear the house apart after this. <laughs> <laughs> what other stuff do you have on me, Joe? People are wondering when we're going to start, Len. So I'm going to ignore that and uh, let's kick this baby off. With a piece from uh, Investment News, study finds most retirees want guaranteed lifetime income. This is written by our friend Mary Beth Franklin. I say our friend because I met her at FinCon and we have to have Mary Beth on the show because she she and I sat and talked. I love the FinCon conference because you stand in corners talking to people about things like this, about guaranteed income. I'm like, my goodness, these are my people. So uh, most <laughs> it says most Americans, and I bet, Jessica, most Canadians you could throw in here too, are comfortable sure, with yeah are comfortable with the idea of working toward a savings goal as they approach retirement, but few know how to create an income strategy once they get there. The greatest financial challenge facing retirees is determining how to make their money last as long as they do. That challenge is exacerbated by the disappearance of traditional pensions and the current low interest rate environment, which produces relatively little income from the safe types of investments that many retirees favor. Both of you are a little ways away from retirement, but I'm wondering, have you ever thought about this? About, you know, I would love to have a guaranteed income stream and maybe at my age now it's time to start building them. Jessica, have you thought about that? I have actually. I'm one of those weird people that have thought about retirement since a very early age, probably because I've heard from my parents their fears about retirement. So I never wanted to be in that situation. So I mean, right now I'm just kind of doing regular uh, investing with my, you know, up in Canada, my RRSP, Registered Retirement Savings Plan. But one of the things that I want me and my husband to do to kind of have some passive income coming in while we're retired is to uh, maybe invest in some property down the road and get some rental income that way. Yeah. Do you worry about being a landlord, though, about some of the pain in the butt stuff that comes with that territory? Not really. I think that'd be super fun to be a landlord, laying down the law, getting into the nitty gritty of like everything, you know, that goes into real estate investing and all that stuff. So that does not scare me. I would not be like afraid to get my hands dirty. Not that I'm like know anything about plumbing or anything. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say was that 3 a.m. call when you're, you know, fixing the toilet. Yeah, that's true. But no, I I actually kind of think it would be kind of cool. That's awesome. Len, <laughs> Len, what do you think? Uh, you think about creating guaranteed income streams during retirement? Of course I do. And, and you know what? I, I kind of lament the loss of the low interest rate environment we're in because I think ahead and I was like, you know, if somebody had, for example, $500,000 and you would be able to collect 5% interest like in the old days in a savings account, there's your guaranteed income. There it is. You would be set. And it's just a shame that you don't get that interest anymore. So yes, I do think about it. Like Jessica, I've thought about, uh, hey, maybe investing in a little rental property, but there's other ways you can do too. There's other things you can do. For example, use yourself and and at a very low level, rent out your services. Are you good at something that you can do? There's lots of things you can do from home, maybe do for a small scale to collect a little side income and not put out a lot of effort. Like so a, there are lots of ways. Huh? Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people retire, though, Len, not because they, they want to. I mean, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but I know there's a bunch of people that retire because of health reasons. So their ability to actually go do something on the side might be limited. Could be. Yes, and that's true. And then that's in that case, you need some some other passive income stream like like a real estate. If you have uh, some rental property or something, and even then you could get a management company to take care of it for you. So. Yeah, that's hard. It, you know, it's really a shame. Like I said, it's it's criminal that interest rates are so low because in the past, that's what elderly people, you know, that's what they did when they were retired. You had your nest egg and you, you used that interest and you lived off of that. Jessica, when Len said sell yourself at first, did you have the same <laughs> did you have the same thought I did that Len's on a street corner showing a little leg? You know what? I don't know what he does on his own time and I don't want to know. <laughs> Just a whole that different is his thing. Business. No I've got a, I, Jessica. I have a full list of of my services at thepersistentitch.com. Check it out. <laughs> it's, it's a, I am not going to that website. Probably, <laughs> probably not. You'll have to. You'll have to uh, wash your browser after <laughs> after a trip there. One thing what I was thinking about though, when Len was talking, and when you kind of mentioned, you know 
say, you know, you aren't able to kind of have a second career, a second, uh, you know, side hustle in retirement to get some extra money. One thing that I feel like a lot of people don't even consider, or maybe they just don't want to do, but I've definitely thought about is I live in Canada. It's actually very expensive to live here. I have no problem living someplace that's way cheaper to kind of stretch my dollar. Moving. Like if that means moving to Thailand to live out the rest of my days. I might just do that. Wow. Really? You wouldn't miss family and friends? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't have any friends, Joe. No, that's no. I mean, that's a fair point, but I feel like you could always travel back. I mean, right now I live in Toronto. All my family lives in Vancouver, so I only see them twice a year as it is. So it'd still be, you know, kind of going back and forth. But I, I don't know. I just don't have this idea that I need to live in my hometown or, you know, the same country. Like I would be interested in the uh, decision to go somewhere else if it means, you know, really stretching my dollar and living in paradise. Len, as opposed to cold Canada. Yeah, Len, that's not the same for you, though. I know you've had family living around you for a long time. Yeah. And for me right now, it's not an option because I've got, you know, I've got parents who are, you know, getting up there and they need my help. My wife's mom needs help now. And there's no way it's just you just it's just not an option. So we're we're stuck where we're at, really. So, yeah, it, it just depends how flexible you are. Do you, Some people aren't. Do you worry, Len, that with this low interest rate environment, this is the time when people get sucked into some of these guaranteed annuities that have really high fees because of the fact that, you know, the annuity salesman can sell them this, hey, this dream of your money, your money will never run out with this annuity here? Certainly. Yeah. It's, you know, it's tempting, right? I mean, because as we just said, you're looking for something, something, anything to grab onto that'll give you some, that might provide something down the road. The problem is, you know, the interest rates are still are low. And as the bond market starts to, if it tanks and, you know, those annuities could, could really get into some trouble. So you got to be careful there. I, but what are you going to do? People are desperate. Yeah, it says, despite the interest in retirement income strategies, a third of people that responded to a recent survey working with an advisor said they've never discussed uh, those strategies. Only about three in 10 have discussed annuity products as part of an income strategy. Have you thought about maybe, uh, Jessica, exploring annuities? No, and I feel terrible in saying that I don't really know too much about them. Like, that's how far away they are from me. So, yeah, but <laughs> actually, not something I'm going to explore. No, actually, that's okay. What about other things like dividend stocks or peer to peer lending? You know, because peer to peer lending gives people a nice interest rate on the loan. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. Have you thought about those, Jessica? Um, I've thought about them and I've basically thought, no, not for me. I'm a very simplistic person when it comes to investing. Like I have money that I put, you know, uh, regularly into my investments and I use robo advisors. So it is literally like set and forget it for me. But, you know, obviously as I get older, my wealth grows and I really want to look into maybe other avenues. That might be something that I look into, but right now I'm, I'm trying to keep it uh, simple. Len, have you thought about any of those for your income streams in retirement? Yeah, you know, I thought about peer-to-peer lending, but you know what? It just, it freaks me out and it's too risky for me. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just not willing to put my faith in mm-hmm. peer-to-peer lending. Um, and I thought I read somewhere that actually the retur- the uh, default rate is starting to climb on the peer-to-peer lending. So um, so the risk is going up there. And you know me, Joe, I'm, I'm so anti, I really am. I'm just, it's almost, it's to a fault. I'm anti-risk. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm really very careful. So no, that's not something I would do. I don't know if you know this, Jessica, because we're all on my dad's shortwave, so we can't see each other. <laughs> but, but, but Len wears a helmet while he tapes the podcast. That does not surprise me. Because you can't be too safe. I, I, I can't help it. You can't be too, you can't be too safe. You got to, no. you got to watch out. I think that this desire for guaranteed lifetime income, a lot of people prey on. And I, you know, you even see podcasts that, uh, that, that kind of deal with this and I guess what I would call nefarious ways. And a lot of people out there promising something that I don't think really exists. I can't, I can't think of a magic wand that we can just wave over income streams and say, there's no place like guarantees. You know, I, I, I don't think it's out there. No, like I said, I think the closest thing they had, and it makes you realize how good things were, you know, prior to the last financial crash when when interest rates were semi-decent. I mean, how good things were when you could retire. If you had a decent nest egg, you could live off the interest, but you just can't do it anymore. So you have to eat into that principle. If that's the case, then you got to watch how much principle you're going to eat into, right? So you have to figure out how long do you think you're going to live? 
so what percentage is your drawdown going to be? And I think right now, Joe, you might know more than me. I think it's they're recommending three, no more than 4%, but preferably 3% of your principal, right? Yeah, and that 4% rule, you're right, is really pushing it for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of what people do now is they say, well, okay, I'm not going to earn a lot on what on my nest egg. Uh, I'm going to have to eat into the principal, so I'm going to have to limit my withdrawals every you know every year. So you've mentioned a couple times, Len, the good old days when interest rates were higher. Can you tell us a story about the good old days when interest rates were higher? Were they like unicorns and rainbows back then? Well, you know what? I'll tell you this because I'm okay. I'll, every, hey, I'm I'm no spring chicken. I'm I'm 53. <laughs> I'm not but that far when, behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but but when I was in high school, I you know this was when Volcker had had jacked up the interest rates to uh, you know we had the stagflation. He jacked up interest rates to oh my gosh, I was getting 16 percent on my on my savings account when I was in high school. Oh my so. God. Or, or maybe I was in junior high at the time, but it was awesome. It was aw- Think about that. 16% interest. That's right. And inflation, Jessica, was only nine. So, so. That's, hey, but that's 7% that's still, yeah. real return. That's a 7% yeah. real return, right? Yeah. It's fantastic. It was awesome. Yeah. Big, big difference between then and today. Let's stir that the That literally po- sounds like a fairy tale because when I started <laughs> even thinking about personal finance or investing, it was, I graduated university the year of the financial crash. So that's basically what my experience with money and investing has been. So I have no idea what you're talking about. You, now, hey, you and missed I'll say it one all. Thing. I, this is a, I was talking from a, a kid's perspective, from a junior high school, high schooler's perspective. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to buy a home or, you know, you were an adult and had a family, those high percentage interest that wasn't so cool, right? Because no, your, exactly. your mortgage yeah. was what? I don't know, 19 or 20 percent mortgage rates, right? So I remember during the 90s, refinance, helping people refinance their houses all the time because people, some, some people, a lot of people still had those loans and refinancing that loan to a lower interest rate was a, was a no-brainer. At that time, we thought that 7% was a low interest rate. Holy cow, I'm telling good old day stories. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Time to move on. <laughs> Jessica's like Grandpa Joe and Grandpa Lynn. <laughs> Over here. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, what the <laughs> heck? Let's go to Market Watch. This piece written by Rachel Morgan Katera. And this one caught my eye because it says three reasons to marry for money. And Len Penzo, I know, I know that's what you did. You said, oh. you said, you know what? <laughs> Honeybee's got a bunch of money. I'm going to go uh, wine and diner until she, uh, you know, shares the savings account with me. Actually, it was the other way around, Joe, but she didn't say anything. Right. Um, right. And I've got to say, the first thing I'm going to say about this is marriage really is, I think, it, well, there's a key caveat here. If you're making a lot of money and your spouse is not, I think, boy, it is the most advantageous to take advantage of marriage. If two people are making the same amount of money, all that goes out the window. What do you mean? So. Well, I think you're, a lot of those advantages go away. For example, you, you could jack yourself from a, a, a lower tax bracket instantly into a higher tax bracket because oh, gotcha. you've just doubled your income basically, right? right? If you're, say, making the same amount of money. But if one person's making a lot of money and one person's, you know, say, a stay-at-home mom, you get all the benefits of two people, the joint filing, for example, you get the higher deduction and your tax brackets are kind of adjusted so that your higher that income does not get penalized is actually better it's advantageous i mean it's nothing better than one spouse earning a high income and the other spouse being a stay-at-home parent i think that's my opinion so 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 you guys flipped a coin and you went to work well (laughs) actually it was a two-headed coin and i and i called heads (laughs) that's that's right (laughs) Jessica, what did you think about this piece? Three reasons to marry for money. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just because, so for me, I have never considered like, oh, marriage, this is going to be a great financial decision. Like right, that's right. not what marriage means to me. And, uh, and and it could just be because me and my husband, we've been together for like 10 years, married for, I think, almost four. We've always kind of made about the same salary. So yeah, just kind of like Len was talking about, there wasn't that much of a, you know, many benefits, quite honestly, like we kind of still just do everything a bit separate because it just makes sense. I mean, if you were a millionaire, hell yeah, I would have definitely maybe tried to get him to put a ring on it sooner. But (laughs) (laughs) But you need to get your hubby become a stay at home dad and you just need to double your salary. That is actually kind of our our plan. If we do uh, have kids in the future, he's going to be the stay at home dad. But now that I work for myself, I mean, we're both going to be home. So I don't know. (laughs) 
It's interesting because, you know, Len is like he is all the time. He's exactly right. There's marriage penalties, right? And there's marriage bonuses. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, you really get a marriage bonus if you have two people with completely different income. You actually have a marriage penalty if two people have very similar income and it forces them, the tax brackets are not even and it can force them into the next tax bracket quicker. So that can be, that can be. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge advantage. You know, people struggle with, well, should, should we have a one spouse stay at home and take care of the kids? I mean, that is a huge benefit. You gotta, you gotta check that out. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a real, especially like I said, if one spouse is making fairly decent coin, it's really helpful. It doesn't help let's say one spouse is making just under the next level tax bracket and then your spouse is working it, but she doesn't make a lot. Let's say she makes $20,000. That might be enough to put you as a married couple into the next higher tax bracket, you know, and then you're thinking, well, so what is that spouse? What is that? You know, it eats into her income. It's really doesn't make sense. So yeah. And then, then that income that the second spouse is making is at a higher rate and uh, yeah. And yeah. Right. But if either one of you ever really, did you really do any of this calculating though, Len? Come on. You know, when I read this, I was kind of offended. I'm like, marry for money. Shut up. I know. Like, <laughs> like, I thought that, you know, that's what slimy people do. Did you ever do any of that calculation? No, no, no. Yeah. I married for love, Joe. Yeah. I married for love. <laughs> Jessica, did you, <laughs> Jessica, that's enough of that. Jessica, <laughs> did, did you do any of that calculating? No, though we definitely did have, uh, we were living together and we were engaged. We definitely, that was the first time we actually kind of opened up the gates of like, okay, how much money you got, how much debt you got. And uh, then I kind of realized, all right, this is, this is marrying for love. Yeah. Yeah. So you <laughs> hey, thought well, about. You were, she you, wasn't married for six years, Joe. I mean, you, right. If she yeah. didn't marry for the money, they'd have got married right away. That's true. Exactly. I waited and it, that was for love. So he was ready. <laughs> <laughs> did, <laughs> Did you, the one thing I am hearing is that you had money talks then uh, after you were living together and you actually did financial planning, but nothing, nothing like uh, saying, well, you know, we should get married because, uh, because you've got a nice checking account, if you know what I mean. definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) Right. Right. I wish. Yeah, right. No, 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 no. And I, I don't think that's a really good foundation for a strong marriage anyway. It's like, you know, babe, we should really get married because, you know, those tax you know, implications. Yeah. Ooh, like, yeah. Good luck with that marriage. Please. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you help my tax bracket. Yeah. That's a pickup <laughs> line right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, no. You got other things you got to worry about too. It's not just about the, the, the taxes. You, you got to worry about when you're considering marriage is your spouse a spender or a saver? Does it match up with you? That's, Especially if you're a saver, if you're a saver and your spouse is a spender, you, that could be problems. Absolutely. That's the bigger, that's the bigger thing is how financially compatible are you? Did you find that you and the honeybee very financially compatible when you first met? Oh my God. Yeah. And kids listening out there, there's two things married couples argue over, right? It's sex and money. Those are the two biggest things. The money picture to me, that is the most, that's more important than the sex, right? If you are not financially compatible the odds are it probably won't work. If you're financially compatible, you can overcome. I, you, you, that's the number one thing. That's if you can get over that hurdle, I think your odds of a long, happy marriage are very strong. Jessica, you and Mr. Jessica were, were the two. <laughs> that's were, what I call him too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mr. <laughs> Jessica. That's what, that's what I get called. Mr. Cheryl. Right. Same thing. When you first met, were you financially compatible? No, I was definitely always the frugal saver and I've always been like that. And he was the spender and and nothing crazy, but he just didn't really care about personal finance until I made him care because I was obsessed with personal finance and had a blog and would talk to him about it all the time. So even though I was the saver and he was the spender, we kind of came together to understand, well, if we're working towards the same financial goals and if we really like had those goals in place that we could work towards, that kind of evens the playing field out. And also just talking about money often, having regular kind of money meetings and being really, you know, transparent about what's going on with our money. That kind of, yeah, kind of helped us out, even though he still is more of a spender than I am. He's kind of figured out, you know, well, if I spend too much, then we won't be able to achieve like this trip we want to go to or, you know, buying this new thing or buying a house and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of how even if, you know, you find your partner is the spender or whatever, that is kind of a way to kind of uh, get through that and not have to 
say bye. <laughs> You're right. Cheryl and I are much more like you and your husband than Len and his spouse. It took us quite a while. And that's how we kind of came up with our meeting strategy where we have our, our money meeting once a week because the communication is what really saved us, you know, mm-hmm. because the way that mm-hmm. we spend money, the things we spend money on, what our values are around spending money were, were worlds apart. And also our education, you know, Cheryl came from a family of savers and her dad, a fantastic saver and really uh, pragmatic with money. I'm from a family of spenders and, you know, I never saw something at a store that I didn't find a, find a place yeah, that for. you didn't buy yeah yeah i'm like hey that looks really good let's let's see if i can get that now i've changed over time i found as i've gotten older i've i you know i want stuff a lot less than i used to and maybe that's also because we talk about money so much and now my eyes more on the long term but that communication piece you're talking about jessica i think is is definitely the the pieces for the win <laughs> gotta take a quick break from this Awesome conversation with uh, Len and Jessica for our FreshBook FinTech segment. We're about to talk parking. And if you're not using a parking app, you know, when I started going to uh, conferences for Stacky Benjamins the last few years before that, I, did th- I didn't think anything about it because, you know, Texarkana, Texas, you don't tend to worry about parking. We're going to get to John Ziegler and Park Mobile in a second. But here's some FinTech for you. If you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon and at the same time juggling a mountain of paperwork well guess what congratulations because you're a freelancer like we are here is it challenging yes it is but FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it because the working world's changed with the growth of the internet there's never been more opportunities to be self-employed and to work from wherever and to meet that need FreshBooks is a cloud-based platform that you can take wherever you go apps for your phone Use it on any device. And guess what? It's all brand spanking new, rebuilt from the ground up and custom built to be plug and play. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, to get paid quickly. Create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. By the way, if you were on our on our webinar walkthrough, you also got a fantastic deal at the end of that. But but beyond the deal that you got, you saw for yourself just how quickly. You know, it says 30 seconds here. It's it's closer to 10 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple clicks to get paid up to four days faster. See when your clients seen your invoice, put an end to guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim it, because you listen to the show, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter Stacky Benjamins in the how did you hear about us section and FreshBooks is going to take care of you. The best part for me, you know, I know I'm a money geek. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to spend a ton of time dealing with it. And the dashboard at FreshBooks makes it super easy for me to get started and for me to see the status of the company. It's it's incredible. Love me some FreshBooks. All right. Speaking of love, if you're somebody who doesn't love pain in the butt trying to find parking, you're going to like uh, John Ziegler from Park Mobile. Let's hear all about it. John Ziegler coming down to the basement. And John Ziegler from Park Mobile joins us. Welcome to the basement, man. Glad you're here. Have a seat. Hey, thanks for having me here, Joe. Let's talk about Park Mobile. So are you a guy that maybe worked in a major city and uh, had problems finding places to park and thought there must be a better way? How How did you start Park Mobile? Well, actually, it was started by somebody else, but, you know, I'm like anyone else, and parking is a pain for everybody. The idea came from the fact that the parking's an industry that is, you know, using 50 and, in certain cases, almost 100-year-old equipment. And parking is a highly painful thing for, for consumers, but something we spend a lot more time doing than we think on average. I mean, people spend, on average, looking for parking 20 minutes every time they're looking for parking. And then paying for it is, is painful, and going back to feed the meter is painful. It drives me crazy. Every time I go to Austin to visit my son and we're trying to walk around town, I'm with you. I can never find a place to park. It drives me crazy. Or if I go to Chicago, I feel like I have to refinance my house every time I want to park my car, John. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me how it works. How does Park Mobile work? Walk me through it. Sure. So it's, it's really pretty simple. We do a lot in parking, but, but at Park Mobile, we really, we're really about convenience. And we enable over 5 million people to find in certain cases, reserve and then pay for parking on street and in private garages off street 
in over 200 cities around the U.S. through our mobile app or through the web. And how it works most of the time when you think about on-street is you pull up on-street in any one of over 200 cities, and instead of paying a meter, you'll see a sign with called a zone number. And with our new app, it'll actually know where it, the, the app will know where it is. You plug in how much time you want to buy, you show which car you want to park, and you say start parking. So instead of walking 50 yards up to pull a credit card out or pull change out of your pocket to print a ticket to walk back to the car to put it on your dashboard, you get out of your car, and as you're walking down the street, you're starting your parking session. It's as simple as that. We then take a, you know, charge your credit card, and it's all taken care of. What's better than that, and I actually have used it, I've used Park Mobile twice today. One, I was trying to get a new driver's license, and it went longer than I thought. Uh, and then I had a lunch, went longer than I thought. The best part about what we do on street is that you can then add time to the meter without actually having good to go back down to the street. So you'll get a notification when your parking session is about to run out. And assuming you're allowed to park, you know, longer based upon the rules, you can add another 15 minutes or another hour to parking to, to your parking session so you don't get a ticket. So in these cases where you're on street parking, John, are you working with the city then in conjunction with them? Absolutely. So we contract directly with the cities to enable people to procure and pay for parking there. What about in cities, you talk about private garages. Are you also in places where you're not working with the city where maybe I can I can secure parking, you know, in somebody's garage or something like that? Absolutely. So we enable you to actually pay for parking in off-street lots, right, open service lots, as well as garages, over 2,000 garages around, around the country. Right now, about 300, and, and by the end of the year, over 1,000 garages will enable you, you to actually find a garage in advance and make sure that there will be a spot available for you and reserve it and pay for in advance as well. Cool. So if I go to uh, any major city, I don't have to worry about where the heck am I going to park my car. I can have that set up ahead of time. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, what we're really about is convenience and certainty. And so if you look at any major metro area, there's time and expense around parking. Like I said, over 20 minutes every, you know, for every parking session. So if you're driving downtown to a meeting in the middle of Washington, D.C., you know, you're probably not going to be able to find parking on street. But you'd like to know exactly where the garage is closest to your meeting, and you want to make sure that it won't be sold out when you get there. And we're going to enable you, we do enable you to reserve parking in that lot and then pay for in advance and then zip in, zip out, all taken care of. What about people that live in urban areas, John? Can uh, they make a little money maybe working with you guys by signing their parking space up for an app? That's a great question. Um, you know, we're working on that. The one thing is, so people that live in urban areas typically don't have driveways that they can uh, sign out uh, a spot. In terms of selling their, if they have a parking spot in a, uh, you know, in a uh, an apartment building, yeah, we're working on that. It's not a huge market for us right now. When we're, you know, it's such an early market, we're really focused on some bigger things. But it's certainly something that we have in our roadmap. I've tried to let people park here at mom's house, but it seems all 15 people that live in Texarkana, John, already have parking spaces. So not much, yeah. need, not much need for us here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's coming down the line for you guys? Well, actually, before I get to that, talk to me because people always worry about when they're using their phone, they're using an app to put in credit card information or put in their payment information. They're worried about security. So tell me about that. You know, to register with us, we just need... Your license plate number of however, whatever cars you want to be able to park, because um, all the enforcement sent the license plate, uh, zip code, and credit card information. And, you know, we are fully compliant with all the, the regulatory schemes. We're PCI compliant, which is what it's called. We encrypt all of our data at rest. And, uh, you know, look, that is always a, a risk with any company. We've been relatively successful to date, you know, in not having that be an issue. Uh, our focus is all about privacy and all about security. Um, that's our lifeblood. It's what keeps us going. Uh, so we're highly, highly focused on that. And interestingly, there's lower risk of fraud using a mobile app and mobile methods than there is using a physical card. The higher risk of fraud is actually pulling your card out of your wallet and swiping it in a machine. Right. Then you've got the machine skimmer community working against you. Yep. Yeah. John, one last question, which is, how do you guys get paid? Do I see it as an additional fee because I use Park Mobile, or does the city uh, just give you guys a little piece of, of the money that they collect? Uh, how does it work? Sure. So for on-street, you'll always see what's called a convenience fee. That's on top of on top of the rate, uh, and that's what, what we get, and we pay all of our costs out of that. Uh, if you're reserving parking, so if you're going to a, uh, you know, to a game at Fenway Park or the Super Bowl or whatever, a lot of times there's not a convenience fee 
we make money out of that entire amount of $25 that you're paying for the parking. Nice. And then the app is available everywhere, Google Play, the iPhone app store? Absolutely. iPhone and we're on, on iOS, Android. We also do mobile web. So we're compatible with any of the platforms. Cool. What's coming up next for you guys, John? Because I know you're probably not sitting around right where you are now. You probably have other things in the hopper. Yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff. We just came out with a completely new, I mean, completely ground up new app that now 5 million people are using that is all based upon location. So it actually, when you pull up the app, it'll know where you're parking. So you don't have to put in as much information anymore. That's kind of a big deal. The other thing is right now, if you, uh, you know, all BMW is coming off the line, uh, they can, you can reserve parking through a BMW through the head unit via Park Mobile. And coming in May, anywhere you park in over 250 cities around the country where, where, we, where we do it, your car itself can start its own parking session on street. Really? Um, and that's what, what we're focused on really is taking all of the friction out of the transaction. So if, if I can have the car itself just pay for parking, then I don't even think about it anymore. And I'm definitely not going to get a ticket. So that's what we're really moving towards is really taking taking all the friction out of out of parking transaction, letting people get where they're trying to go faster. That's all fine, John, but I want to go back to this BMW partnership. That must have been tough. Did you have to test drive some of those cars to make sure it worked out right? Yeah, you know what? Due diligence is a tough thing. <laughs> it's really hard. So it gets me up in the morning though. But you know, yeah, I think you'll see with all the new connected vehicles that that's where, you know, that's where these things are going. So we got a lot going on there. The other thing that we're coming out with to our app right now, it's all web-based, is the reservation side to make sure that people can reserve parking off street in all the cities around the country through through the app itself. And so therefore they can get where they're going quicker. Gotcha. And for everybody listening, if you're not at your computer or don't have a hand available to, to put in Park Mobile now, you know what? We'll have a link to uh, parkmobile.com in our show notes at uh, stackybenjamins.com. John, thanks for hanging out with us a little bit today. I appreciate you walking us through Park Mobile. Hey, Joe, thanks for having me. Big thanks to John for dropping by. Hey, uh, we'll have a link, as I mentioned, to Park Mobile and everything we talk about on today's show at stackybenjamins.com. All right, let's head back to our awesome conversation with Jessica Morehouse from the Mo Money Podcast and Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com. You guys both have spouses who are different from you. So let me ask you the grand question. Do you guys have separate accounts or do you have joint accounts? Oh boy. It's funny because we used to talk about this a lot, Len, on the show. I would get emails from people going uh, uh, th that they can't stand this this whole line of discussion. But but let's talk about that. Jessica, one checking account or two. Okay. Well, here's here's how we organize things. We do a separate but together kind of situation. So basically almost everything is separate, but we have a joint checking account for all of our joint bills. And we did have some uh, joint savings account to save up for like a down payment on our first place. Now that we bought our first place, we don't have that savings account. So basically we have a joint checking account but everything else in terms of like investing for our future or saving is kind of individual. And the reason we do that, we don't pool everything together is because we've been doing that for years and it works. And we never argue right. about money because again, we know what's going on with our money. This is the same discussion. Uh, Farnoosh Tarabi and I talked about this and uh, Farnoosh also has two checking accounts. And so do we, Cheryl and mm -hmm. I have separate accounts, which I know there's a lot of people there out there saying, no, you got to have one. No, two has worked for us forever. It just has worked. Yeah. Um, there was a time early on when I, when we first got married, I didn't balance my checkbook. I was kind of a disaster. So it was better for me to be a disaster over by myself than to haul <laughs> Cheryl's money into that too. And then, you know, uh, uh, but what's funny is they're at the same bank. We have, uh, we both have online access. We transfer money freely between the two different accounts for bills and stuff. Um, but, but we've always done better with a, with a, to checking account system. What about you, Len? Yeah. Oh, it's joint. It's, you've, you've got one. You know, it's one account. Yep, yeah. And it's just how it is. Yeah. I'm fairly certain your way's wrong. So anyway. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> 
Because I get so tired of everybody telling me I'm doing it wrong because we have two. So it's my show. You're doing it wrong. No. This is one of those emotional <laughs> – and it is. It's one of those emotional things. It's it's like the uh, do you pay off your mortgage or you do, do you not pay off your mortgage? You know, it's a, a those, lot of, of strong feelings those, on that. Qu- those questions make sense to me, though, because there's, you know, interest rate. There's calculations. I don't really care if we have if, – if, if you're open and honest about your money, you could have seven checking accounts and it's irrelevant. I think the key when people talk about one versus two – is do you and your spouse actually communicate about your money or do you use two to hide money from each other? Mm. And and I think that's the crux of a lot of that argument, don't you? I think, yeah, I, that's that's well put. I think you're absolutely right, Joe. Yep. Yeah, that's brilliant. Tell my wife that sometime that I'm Yeah, because you right. know what? Even though we have a joint account, we have our communication thing too. Whereas the honeybee, she, every month, she goes through all the expenses. We keep it every, I mean, we know where every penny is gone for the month and it's in a, a spreadsheet. She sends me the spreadsheet at the end of the month and I, you know, and I can look over all the numbers. So, I mean, the same thing. It's still joint account, but we're still communicating. Let's move on to our third piece of the day. This one's funny. This is written by Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, who, of course, is on the show quite a bit. When working from home goes hilariously wrong. By now, has everybody seen, has everybody on earth seen the professor on the BBC talking about Korea and his kids come in the room and his spouse in a panic tries to get them out of the room while he sits there looking very embarrassed about his family behind him. Has everybody seen that? Jessica, have you seen it? Oh my God. Yeah. It made my day. It's <laughs> it so, made my week. <laughs> it's so great. Len, you've seen it. Uh, yeah. And I noticed it. it's got 20, almost 22 million views. So I think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most oh people gosh. have seen it. it. It is classic. Absolutely. They've even classic. done a follow-up video, him kind of talking about, because it's gone viral and now there's a video about the viral video. Well, and there's, yeah, and I know there's lots of people that put thoughts in his head, like oh, he's kind of a jerk because he just sits there looking embarrassed. And I think he's shell-shocked because he's on the flipping BBC and, uh-huh. he's, and, and he doesn't know what to do. So he just sits there with steam coming out of his ears, uh, which which might not have <laughs> and been. it was. He was pissed. Oh, yeah, which might not have been the right move for him. But I've seen people call him a horrible human being and a bad guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. If I've got that many people watching me and I'm sitting there, I, I don't know what to do. So. Uh, I'm not going to evaluate his calm or lack of calm under pressure, but let's talk about this because bad stuff happens when you work from home. All three of us have worked from home from time to time. Len, you can work from home sometimes, right? Yeah. And let me tell you, I I don't know if I should, well, I guess I'll do it. I'll say what happened. All right. Nobody knows, knows worry. So I was giving a briefing for my company in front of, it was from, I was from home. I was supposedly supposed to be in a, laboratory giving this briefing, but it was just me. And everything was going fine until my precious dog uh, decided to start barking. And (laughs) (laughs) then everybody knew I wasn't in the lab. And the gig was up. (laughs) And talk about embarrassment. First, there was a deafening silence. And then after that, it was just, you know what? I didn't even, I just continued on. But after the briefing, people were like, do you keep dogs in the lab? What, 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 is, what was that? You know, so yes, you've got to be very careful. Yeah. Got caught in the lie. That's great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that seems like kind of a white lie to me, though. You know, unless there was some real reason you had to be in the lab right then. And apparently there wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't affect uh, the briefing at all. But that's that's where I was supposed to be. Yeah, Jessica, clearly you've had a nightmare working from home or two. <laughs> you know what? I was trying to rack my brain for something and so far nothing terrible has happened to me while working from home. And now I, now I work for myself, so I'm always at home. But when I did work uh, my nine to five and worked from home nine uh, from time to time, nothing bad happened. And I actually got a lot of like I got a, away with a lot, quite honestly, you know, so I know I I failed you on this one. I don't really have anything terrible that went. No, it's all right. I mean, there was one time I was doing a podcast episode and we ordered pizza and then the pizza guy rang a couple times during the episode. I'm like, oh, God, I hope the other person doesn't realize this. Also, I was very hungry. So I think I started eating the pizza while (laughs) interviewing my guests. But again, that was kind of a win. (laughs) That's I was on a podcast one time, somebody else's podcast, and they told me afterwards, they said, uh, you got to turn the gain down on your mic, which is how much stuff they pick up. Cause we could mm-hmm. hear you slurping your coffee. Ah! <laughs> that's a, that's a bad one. But for me, that's not the worst one. The worst one for me, I was on 
there are videos by a guy, uh, a great trainer, Taryn the Trainer. And Taryn's dad has actually been on uh, this roundtable before, uh, Second Timothy. I think, Len, you were on with Timothy once, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, t- so Timothy is Taryn's dad. But uh, Taryn is down in the Atlanta area. Anyway, he's got this great video series, very motivational. And he had me on. And I forgot that the door to the basement was open behind me. And so I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Taryn and I've, you know, it is a video and everything's going great. And then on my screen, you can see yourself kind of in the corner and I see the cat coming up behind me. And then I see the cat out of the corner of my eye jump up on the uh, jump up on the counter, and then the cat kind of comes around the podcasting equipment, and then the cat is trying to rub his butt in my face <laughs> while I'm on video. So there was nothing I could do. There's a video out there on Taryn's site that has me chucking the cat across the room twice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. No animals were hurt during that taping. Uh, the cat's fine, but but I I had no idea what to do. I, I tried to throw him hard enough so he'd get the point. The second time, though, he finally got the point. So I think that's the worst thing that happened to me working from home. I did have a time. Actually, it's funny. I was working instead of here in the basement at mom's house. I was working from my house. And I've got this office area that kind of is at, it's hard. Our house is on a hill. <laughs> this is great. Our house is on a hill. And uh, so I sit at my computer and there's a window, which is about at head level. And I'm not really paying attention as these work guys, the, these guys that are going to be working around the edge of my house. And I, <laughs> I knew they were there, but I wasn't thinking about it. And I didn't realize that I didn't think about the fact I didn't have any pants on it, uh. until the guy's right in front of me. And I'm sitting there in my underwear at eye level. Yeah. Hey there. So, hey, so I'm not the only one who does these without their pants on. That's, that's right. I thought I was the only one. Okay. Well, that's good to know, Joe. I'm in good none, company. None of us have pants on, Len. It's audio. <laughs> who cares? Right. Yeah. That, that's a creepy thing. Jessica's never coming back now. It sounds really creepy that the two men are like, we don't have our pants on. I'm like, well, my pants are firmly on. Right. She's like, I just firmly want to let you know. Yeah. And I'm never coming back again. Right. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're going to leave it on that creepy, creepy note. <laughs> Thanks for playing today. Hey, Len, uh, so what's happening over there at uh, the crazily titled LenPenzo.com? You know how long it took me to come up with that name? Oh, you probably um, had to hire three different agencies. Like, what should I call this thing? Exactly, exactly. Hey, I, uh, I'm i sure some of you have seen some of these Blue Apron uh, reviews Yes. So I went ahead and did it myself. And actually, me and the honeybee, if people come to our site, we do our drive-by movie reviews. We actually did a drive-by movie review style review of Blue Apron's home delivery meal service. And uh, it's really fun. And so if you want to come check that out, uh, it's at lenpenzo.com. Oh, that's very interesting. We did HelloFresh for a while. Oh, excellent. Hey, I, I will say this. I'll just spoil it. It was great. I love Blue Apron. I think it's it was awesome. It really was. It's really a cool service. HelloFresh, I thought, was it was light on the vegetables, heavy on the meat, and everything they had you put salt on it and more salt on it, and it just, I never felt healthy while I was eating it. Oh, you're kidding. No, this is totally, and I'm giving away all this stuff, but what the heck. You know, this is great for, if you're like watching your weight or health conscious, these Blue Apron meals are fantastic. Each of the meals were, were 650 calories or less and 12 grams of fat or, or less. I mean, they were filling and I was satisfied. And I mean, if you're trying to, if you're on a diet or something, it ain't going to screw your diet up. And it was very healthy. It's not like it wasn't pouring on the salt or anything like that at all. Great meals. The two things that I liked, I liked the fact that there were very rarely leftovers that would sit in your refrigerator for five days and then you chuck it, right? Because you don't eat the extra stuff. I mean, it was exactly what we wanted to eat. It didn't feel like it was too much to eat. And then the second thing I like is that this process of making your dinner is, for me, is so relaxing because you have yes. to be in the moment while you're preparing the food. And I really yes. like the fact that it kind of got me out of my job and got me into the kitchen and just, you know, then I could kind of, it was a good transition to, you know, from work time to Joe time. Well, you know what else I like about it is, and in, in Blue Apron, I hope you're listening because I am sincere here. I, you can tell I am sincere about this. What I like about it is, if you get in a rut, it's like, oh, what are we going to have tonight? What are we going to have tonight? I mean, these these recipes, 
Yeah. They don't repeat a re- I don't know about uh, the one you did, but the Blue Apron, they don't re- they don't repeat a single recipe in for a whole year. And so I mean, and variety. It's also, it's also never stuff you'd make on your own. Correct. Or yeah, I couldn't even think, you know, I'm a hamburger helper, throw some corn in, you know, with the hamburger <laughs> helper guy. This was, you know, I made some, some tangelo and honey glazed salmon. And it's like, I would never make that in a million years. It was phenomenal. Yeah, d- phenomenal. Don't do that, Len. I'm so hungry right now. Jessica, have you tried these I out? I know. I just got hungry. <laughs> I know. Have you tried these out? Any of these uh, services? No, they sound amazing. So, so from what I gather, they give you the ingredients and the instructions and you just have to make the meal. Yeah. It all comes in a box. Yeah. It all comes in a that box. Sounds amazing. And, yeah. Yep. It is really cool. Really cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, thanks for hanging out with us. You're so welcome. Tell me what's going on at the awesome Mo Money podcast. Sure. Well, a bunch of other amazing interviews. So uh, what I've been doing for the past, I guess, six or so months is on Wednesdays, I do kind of my regular awesome interviews with experts in the field. But on uh, Thursdays, for people that are listening, I have a listener series. So if you listen to my podcast, you have a story, you're just a regular Joe, and you want to share your personal finance journey, you can uh, chat with me and have your episode aired on Thursdays. So that's kind of a, a cool way to just show what regular people are doing with their money so people can learn from them. Aren't those so. discussions so fun? Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Like, they're so insightful and inspiring. That's awesome. And we'll have a link to the show on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. All right, guys. Thanks for playing. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's going to do it for today. I've got some news about the game uh, coming up in just a second. I'll also tell you the thrilling things we're going to talk about at Stacky Benjamins next week. And also a little bit on a webinar that we've got coming up. But first, got to say a big thank you to everybody who headed to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. They're the place magnifymoney.com calls number one when it comes to student loan refinancing and personal loans. So when you go there, you spell it S-O-F-I, they'll throw in a hundred bucks. If you refinance your student loans or take out a personal loan using our link, let's say you're trying to refinance your debt to a lower interest rate, cut up the credit cards, not use them anymore, build an all-cash lifestyle, SoFi is the place to go. You're going to find they've got tons of options to serve you, like flexible loan terms, extremely competitive interest rates, and better yet, they work with members, not just customers. People that do business with SoFi know they're a different kind of company They'll help you find a new job, invite you to networking events, roll out a range of services you're not going to find at banks. So whether you're hoping to buy a house, refinance your existing one, consolidate those student loans, or get the personal debt under control, stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI takes you there. And the place that calls them, number one, is Magnify Money. You know, Nick at Magnify Money has been on this show several times, and it's always amazing to me to talk to people and they haven't even heard of Magnify Money. In fact, you know when you feel like you're doing a buddy a big favor? I was talking to somebody. I ate at this exclusive restaurant in front of this luxurious place I was staying in McAllister, Oklahoma. This luxurious restaurant called Chili's. Not sure you're familiar with it. Probably, probably can't get in. Uh, you might need to make a reservation. But I, But for several months out, at this place. But anyway, I'm a shooter. So I walked in, sat down and told them who I was. But when I'm there, I'm, I'm talking to people because I don't know anybody in town. So I sit at the bar and I'm talking to this guy and we start talking about magnified money because it's so awesome. What you find when you go to magnified money is that very quickly, do you have everything placed in order according to what you're looking for? So all you do, you tell the people, well, you, not even the people, you just click over to Magnify Money, put in exactly what you want, fill in. Let's say that you're looking for CDs. Tell them how big a CD you want, and bam, there they are. In order, highest interest rate to lowest interest rate. You can also arrange them in other ways, but it's all in one easy-to-shop-for place. So whether it's debt products like a car loan, a personal loan, credit cards, or you're looking to find a checking account that doesn't have all those horrible fees or a savings account that pays you something, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Let's start off talking about the game. On Friday, I have this game because I entertain myself because OG's not here with me. And uh, I bring you along for the ride. If you're somebody that answers the game in the first uh, 24 hours after the first person gets it, you're entered into a fishbowl, we'll call it, 
I, I randomly pick somebody. How about that? And that person gets a prize pack that I put together specifically for you. Two weeks ago, we started this game. Last week, week number two, we had a big misunderstanding. Steve Stewart and I, who's the fantastic engineer of the show, I totally have forgotten to do the game at the beginning. So I made a recording that included the game. And if you're wondering, well, what could you have forgotten? Well, when you play our game, what happens is at the beginning of the show, I say something that's awkward or I've written something in the description that might be awkward or maybe in the title. But anyway, Steve and I had a misunderstanding. So when he released the episode, it wasn't there. So last week, there was no game hint. Uh, I think the big thing is, is that when you have somebody that you rely on, like I rely on Steve, I need to tell him what the game is. You know, we go really fast here, but we have to get everybody on the same page. And that's totally, I completely blew it. Steve's like, oh, I didn't realize that was important. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that thing that doesn't seem to fit way, way, way important in, uh, in a whole different way. So uh, the game is back this week. So two weeks ago, we had the game. Last week, didn't have the game. This week, we have it. Now we're going to roll until the end of this eight-week segment of shows. Speaking of shows, let's talk about what we got next week because lots of fun coming up next week. Starting on Monday, Phil Back not only has an interesting as all get-out exchange-traded fund, which is the American Customer Satisfaction Core Alpha ETF, ticker symbol ACSI. They invest, by the way, in companies that have the highest customer satisfaction. Guess what he used to do? He used to be the guy that would help roll out new ETFs at the New York Stock Exchange. So the guy's amazing. And we're pairing him with another amazing guy, Jamie Wise, who you've heard on the show before. Jamie, of course, is the CEO over at the Buzz Index that tracks social media. And, you know, what we're talking about we're talking about how active investing is changing because clearly both of these strategies are active strategies, but they don't have just a manager who is trusting their gut. And I know that active managers come to town with a lot of data. These are completely data-driven. There's no manager, but it's still considered active. So how's it changing? How's the game moving? We're going to talk that on Monday. Really interesting for both people who know exchange-traded funds up and down and people who are brand new to exchange-traded funds. I think that's going to be great. Then on Wednesday, Daniel Geffen comes down to the basement He's got a great podcast called the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, talking to entrepreneurs. David has a story that I wanted him to tell all of you that I found out about. And that's that this guy started business after business that did nothing. And he was completely, completely broke more than one time. And it just reminded me of Walt Disney. If you haven't heard uh, Walt Disney's story before they created Disneyland, Walt Disney was very good at going broke, but still chasing his dream. Daniel Geffen uh, has clearly picked the lock on the stuff that he does. He's a business coach as well. He's coming down to the basement on Wednesday to talk about his story. You're going to find that hugely motivational, whether you have a business or you're somebody who's struggling to get your act together or you're somebody who's already climbed that hill. Then on Friday, the FreshBook FinTech segment swaps over to the... FreshBooks HR segment, and that means Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, is back. And I know how happy that makes a bunch of you. It makes me. Also, it's an all-guest lineup here as we're bringing some of the best and brightest financial bloggers and podcasters to the show. We're giving Greg, Len, and Paula the week off next week. So it's an adventure back here on Stacking Benjamins next week. Hope you can join us. Go stack some Benjamins. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Special thanks to John Ziegler from Park Mobile for stopping by. For more on Park Mobile, head to parkmobile.com or head to stackingbenjamins.com where we'll have a link waiting for you. Special thanks to Jessica Morehouse from the Mo Money Podcast for coming on the show today. You can find her site at jessicamorehouse.com or head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. 
There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. What do you suppose they call that? A novelty act? I don't know, but it wasn't too bad. Well, that's a novelty. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.